everyone. Thank you for joining us here at another awesome YRLA interview. So as you guys know, we've been kind of working our way down the list of speakers uh, at the People's Convention. And today we have a very, very special guest for all of you. He is a comedian, political commentator, host of the Political Vigilante podcast. He's a regular on the Jimmy Dore Show. And of course, he spoke at the People's Convention. It is the awesome Graham Elwood. Graham, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for having me. It was, uh, I'm glad you asked. It was that the convention was really, really cool. Obviously, having it all sort of online and on Zoom was really interesting. And just to be a part of it was like, we're all in the Zoom room beforehand. And I'm like, there's <laughs> Cornell West and Nina Turner. And yeah. Cornell West and Chris Hedges were just like, hey, hey, Cornell, did you read this book? And they're having this like really intellectual conversation. I was like, wow, this is amazing. To, to, I was just like... <laughs> Okay. You feel kind of like like you walked into a room you weren't supposed to walk into, and you're yeah. like, "Shit! I just if I'm just really quiet, maybe they'll let me stay." <laughs> Are you sure? I'm just a comedian. Like I don't have a PhD. Am I in the right place? I'm just gonna do some jokes. Exactly. No, it was an amazing experience. I have a I have a I took a screenshot of that actually when we were meeting beforehand, and I have that pinned to my to my Twitter because it was just unbelievable. I felt like we were in the middle of history happening, which I know is a constant thing, but I mean something important in history happening, you know, making history. And it was just so amazing to, like you said, just be like, oh my God, I'm like speaking with Cornell West and Nina Turner and all of these really inspiring individuals who are inspiring not because of identity politics, but because they stand for something, because they're courageous enough to actually be honest about the issues that we have in this country. And so, you know, I really appreciated that they had comedians at the convention because I was telling you before we started recording, my favorite comedian of all time is George Carlin. And I think that voices like that are so, so, so crucial, Um, not only to, kind of show the truth of what's going on, but also to get us thinking as people. So I just wanted to ask you, what was it that motivated you to say, yeah, I have something to say? You mean just in general as a comedian? Yeah, at the convention. Oh, at the convention. convention. Um, You know, I started doing my show, The Political Vigilante, about three and a half years ago. I've been a comedian for over 20 years, and I um, met Jimmy Dore we were both young comics in Chicago in the 90s. And I remember watching Bill Hicks live at the Funny Firm Comedy Club. And those in the audience might not know who he is, look him up online. He was this like heavy social and political commentary comedian of our, of our era. You know, like uh, the older comedians had George Carlin and Richard Pryor and like Dick Gregory um, who, were, who were amazing. And that was their era. And I was a young comic watching Bill Hicks and I, me and Jimmy Dore were like, this guy's unbelievable. So I always kind of wanted to pursue that, but I, it wasn't until about three and a half years ago that I just went, you know what, I'm just gonna go all in on political commentary and being a political comedian. And Jimmy gave me a platform on his show many times and then started doing this tour with Ron Placone, the progressive comedy tour that was really awesome. Obviously COVID has shut that down for right now. Um, So I started paying close attention and I started, um, learned about, you know, Movement for People's Party. And when Ron and I 
started two years ago, our progressive comedy tour, we wanted it to be more than just a comedy night of like Bernie supporters or whatever. We wanted it to be a political active, uh, activist night. So we invited organizations out, um, the Green Party, uh, Democratic Socialists, we've had you know, Veterans for Peace come out, but Movement for People's Party very consistently, and, and we saw their organization in place, had people set up at every, just about every one of our shows. And at the end of our show, we do a meet and greet, and we talk to fans and take photos and stuff, and then we always say, like, get involved in your local community. And so the Movement People's Party was like, really, we saw how proactive they were. And so I just always, you know, was like down with their movement and talked about it on my show. And, uh, you know, they, I'm from Chicago originally, and they helped get a, um, a guy in the city, an alderman on the city council, which was a big, big deal. Um, and it was a guy who came to one of my comedy shows in Chicago and knew I was a Chicago guy. And, and so, I just am excited about what they're doing. When I heard the convention was happening, I was like, this is awesome. And someone reached out and said, do you want, do you want to come on? And I was like, I'd be honored. And they're like, do you mind doing some sort of comedy? Because we got all these people talking about very, very serious issues as well as they should be. Um, it wasn't just the platitude festival of the Democratic Party and then the <laughs> you know triumph of the will of the Republican Party. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, basically it was two Republican parties, if I'm not mistaken, when I watched the Democrats wheel out all of these crusty old warmongering Republicans. Yeah. Um, so when they said, can it be kind of comedic? I was like, yeah, I've been working on, you know, I was looking to record a new comedy special in April in Seattle. Ron and I had these tour dates set up and I was going to use... Uh, I'm on this platform, Rockfin, which is a blockchain cryptocurrency platform. I was going to use some cryptocurrency to pay for it and release a new video special and an album to go along with it. So I, because I'd been working the last year and a half, two years on this tour of like putting together a really solid hour of political material. And there's not much opportunity to perform right now. We're doing some Zoom shows. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to just do five minutes of my political stuff to this audience that is going to get it, you know, making fun of the whole lesser of two evils argument. And yeah, I was like, this is going to be great. And then I'm like, and Cornell West and Chris Hedges are going to hear this. And Nina Turner is going to hear this bit. I'm like, that's, I was like more looking to make them laugh yeah. than I was. Not that I didn't care about the audience watching, but I was like, man, and I got to tell you, you were fanboying. You were fanboying. I was, oh my, are you kidding me? I was just like, and I was like, man, I better have my A game because Dr. West is going to be throwing out some $10 words. So I better, you know, like, <laughs> and listen to him and Ed just talk about some book. And he's like, you know, the tentacles of toxic capitalism. And I was like, oh, man, I better be on it because this guy is throwing fastballs. And so, and then, you know, just my, Ron Placone was on it and Jimmy and Steph and, you know, my, my good friends and, and Lee Camp you know, who I love and do actually do a podcast with government secrets. So it was so, that was everything that led in. When I was asked, I'm like, you got it. And when I was sitting there watching everybody as we were loading, we did like a tech run through about a half hour before on zoom. And it was like, this is awesome. Yeah. 
And then the biggest, one of the biggest compliments in my career was like Danny Glover went out and he's like, well, that's a tough act to follow. And I was like, well, wow, this guy's been to the Academy Award. Maybe has he maybe, maybe even won an Oscar? I at least been nominated. I was like, wow, this guy, okay. I was like, so it was, it was just a cool thing to be a part of. And like you say, it was, a, it was a part of history. It's the first one they've ever done. And I was asked to do it. And, and if that's what people want me to do for a third party is be the comedic voice, I'm in. Yeah, and you, I've seen your speech several times now both live because I was there, uh, you know, but after the fact, I've watched all of the speeches again. Mm. And it was hilarious. And not only was it hilarious, but it was on point. And, you know, I've seen you before the pandemic, obviously, I've seen you on Jimmy several times. Um, and, and I just love it. I think I'm a lover of comedy in general. Like, you know, when, when life is normal, you'll, you'll see me on sunset a lot going to comedy shows. I right. just enjoy it. Um, but specifically, Political comedians have a special place in my heart. I just, you know, Louis Black is another one. Just fantastic, oh, wow. you know? So I just love it because since I'm in politics and it's what I love and it's what I do, um, it, it's that much funnier to me when I hear the jokes because I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> and so it just takes a special kind of sense of humor, you know? And I just love it. So I want to talk to you a little bit about what brought us to the people's the movement for a people's party in the first place and you know moving forward what we're going to see whoever it is that wins in november right because at this point i honestly have no clue i have no i'm not even going to try to pretend to read the coffee leaves or the tea leaves or whatever i'm not going to be like yeah i know who's i don't know i don't know so i don't want to be asked because my answer is I don't know. And frankly, I, I don't even know which which choice would be worse. And I know that there's a lot of people that'll give me flack for that, but I'm just so disillusioned um, with our government, like many Americans are. And, you know, the largest voting block in the country is non-voters, followed by non-affiliation, independents like me, right? So most Americans are not voting. Uh, they don't feel represented. They don't feel like there's anyone actually bringing anything to the table. And one of the things that I found the most interesting, because I, was, I told you I was watching your uh, live stream earlier, was you talk a lot about the, that false choice of least, least, least of the two evils, the, the least worst choice, right? right? And it's absolutely ridiculous. You know, something that I talked about with Ryan Knight when I went on his podcast, Amped Up, was... For the last 40, 50 years, we've been told it's the most important election and the other thing is so terrible that you have to do this. And so you're always presented with two terrible options, one that just happens to be a little less bad, and somehow that's supposed to be acceptable. And so, you know, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to be crazy. You know, in 2016, I voted for Hillary Clinton, mm -hmm. not because I thought she would be a great president, but because I thought, oh, you know, Donald Trump, what's the alternative? But now we're in 2020 and I'm seeing a pattern and I'm seeing, oh, they're doing the same thing all over again. And then in 2024, they're going to say, you got to vote for Kamala because, oh my God, like it's always going to be something. There's always going to be a reason why we can't have the things that every other developed nation has, why we can't have the things that we need to survive. And, you know, one of the things that's being spoken about now is how can we even call ourselves a first world nation anymore? 
We can't. We're not. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> not when you have tent cities and people lining up for miles to get food to get food handed to them, and we've got food shortages. We're not. We're a banana republic. We're <laughs> a, a collection of corporate states. I mean, so I mean, like when people are like, "Why would you? Why would you do this people's third party people's party thing?" I'm like, "Yeah, you're right. Everything's so great. I mean, why would we? <laughs> you know." And Joe Biden, you know, now's not the time for revolution. You're right. Revolutions always happen when everything's going great. Everything's going great. That's when people are like, time to revolt. My food's yeah. filled. My kids are taken care of. Yeah, let's do a revolt. So it's really, I mean, and to answer your question, who benefits from either one of these guys winning is the oligarchs, the war machine. You know, that's who benefits. And so, yeah, I mean, look, I've heard this. I've heard this for 30 years. I mean, we got to vote for John Kerry because Trump yeah. or the, you know, Bush is the worst, blah, blah, blah. I remember I voted for Bill Clinton in 92 because my candidate, Jerry Brown, back when he was an actual progressive, lost. And I was like, all right, I was young. We got, you know, the, we got, we've had 12 years of Reagan and Bush. We got to get this out of there. And then I saw what Clinton did. And I was like, he's, the, he's, a, he's a millimeter to the left of the Republicans. So in 96, I voted third party. And my friends are like, well, you're going to let Bob Dole win. If Bob Dole wins, we're going to be Bob, 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 Bob. Like, and so I, I... They just lost their minds. They, they just, they keep losing their minds. And I, I do not like, I just have to make this caveat because the minute you criticize the Democrats or Biden, they say, you think, no, I don't like Trump at all. He's awful. He's scary. He's very fascist. He's... But no one, no one, the neoliberals don't want to analyze what got us here. They just don't. And the fact that they're running literally Hillary's playbook, it's like, would you, would, is that like the team that keeps losing the Super Bowl? Is that like, that's the team, that's the playbook we need? Like, no, isn't like for, uh, it lost. You lost. You ran a centrist in 2016. Who lost? You screwed over Bernie Sanders in the primary. And it disenfranchised yeah. a lot of independents who weren't ever going to, some Bernie supporters were going to vote Democrat no matter what. But many were like, I'm not, I'm not a Democrat. I am not a Democrat. I don't register as a Democrat. I, I'm not. So you were never going to get my vote, Democratic Party. And, and you, until you have a candidate that gives things that I want, Medicare for all, Exactly. Ending these wars and a Green New Deal because we're facing climate collapse. I don't know. Is the West Coast on fire still? Like, um, so I, 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 the, the, that insanity of giving these, both of these utterly corrupt two parties, your vote no matter what, gives, these parties have zero incentive to get you whatever that you want. The Democrats could clearly be going after all of Trump's failed promises. They could go to his base or the people who voted for Trump as the lesser of two evils because the Clintons, NAFTA took away their jobs. Um, they could be saying Trump ran an anti-interventionist campaign. He hasn't pulled us out of any of the, he's still bombing seven countries. He keeps getting military budget increases rather than give it to the American people. He gave a $1.5 trillion tax break to his billionaire friends. His um, tariffs on China are hurting American farmers, like red yeah. state farmers. You could be calling Trump out on all these very valid things. And instead, all they got is, 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 is Trump, Trump, Russia, Trump, Russia. And yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, I'm not discounting his like, 
he's gone past racist dog whistles and now he's just saying it like the blacks are coming to your white neighborhoods, get a gun. Like he's just saying, and and I'm not saying that isn't scary, but they refuse to acknowledge what got us. And it's part of it is our, our school system. All we learn about world war two is well, Hitler was bad and we had to stop him. They don't talk about it was liberal elites in Germany. And this is in Hedges book, death of the liberal class. Read that book viewers. It was the liberal elites in Germany in the late 20s and the 30s that just kept letting shit happen, letting the fascists get more power, letting the, you know, not helping out working class people after the Great Depression and keeping their, does that sound familiar? The Democratic Party is not the party of working class people. If it was, it would never lose. You know, remember the last time we had a Democrat who was actually for the working people? They had to do term limits. His name was FDR. So, um, and then I hear this ridiculous, oh, we're going to pull, just get Biden and then we'll, we'll pull him to the left. All right. Because yeah, okay. Obama didn't get pulled to the left. Bill Clinton didn't get pulled to the left. Jimmy Carter only had one term, was already fairly left, but he only had one term. Uh, LBJ absolutely didn't get pulled to the left. He, bom- he upped the bombing for the war machine. JFK started going hard left and they put a bullet in his brain because um, uh, he wanted to get us out of Vietnam. Truman didn't go left. Oh, and here we are back to the guy I just mentioned, FDR. That's the last time we had a president pulling left <laughs> was FDR. So I don't know where, like, what history books are they reading? Just like Nira Tandon's coloring book on uh, how to cheat? I don't know. It's mind boggling to me. Yeah, you know, I think it's, it's interesting because to me, this is like the last, the last wave of fighting back against inevitable change. Right. So they see change because we're, we're at a turning point in our society. We just are. You can feel it. You can yeah. feel change is happening. It's in the streets. I mean, it's literally like yeah. they're pulling down Christopher Columbus statues. They're like, it's over. We're done with this crap, especially yeah. younger people. Anyone yeah. under 40 or under, especially mid 30s and younger are like not. Ha- that's who's in the streets is the 20 the, the somethings who are just like, I'm done, man. You've, you've mortgaged my future. I have no, I, I, I'm afraid to have kids because of climate change. There's no financial hope. My, what am I going to be driving for Grubhub and, and Lyft and Uber when I'm 50? Like what? No way. So they're just like, I'm done. And yeah. you're right. It's the last grasp of the ruling class and they know it. And so it's a little scary because they're like doubling down on the police brutality and the war and the, they're just not going to give it up. I mean, power never gives it up easily, right. but this is the last debt because they have been plundering this planet for decades, if not centuries. I mean, this is just, this dates back to just centuries old European colonialism, all of that, which is just, that's early stages of capitalism. I mean, all of it, the Epstein stuff, it's pulling the clip because like, oh yeah, if you, yeah, yeah. If you read Christopher Columbus's journal, he's, he, was a, he, was a, he was a sex trafficker pedophile. He snatched up kids. He was a monster by his own words and his own. So it's like, we're done with all of this. We're done with all of it. We're done with your whole power structure. We all got to be in debt for your wars. Like, we're, we're, it's like, it's all come crumbling down and the whole world is seeing it. The whole world is in a recession. 
Yeah. And some countries are actually taking care of their citizens and giving them, you know, you know, money every month and free healthcare and whatever else. So it's like, and that's why they have to try to force this into a civil war because uh, in the streets, especially those first two weeks of the George Floyd protests in late May, early June, they saw everybody on the streets. I was at many of the protests in LA, as I'm sure you were. It was everybody. It was every walk of life. It was every ethnicity. And then in cities that were primarily white. So all these white people like now, Black Lives Matter, we're done with it. Like, and so they're just like afraid of, of, an, of, an, of a unified uprising, which is why they have to keep us divided. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, I was talking about this the other day. They have no policy. They have no platform. And so because of that, all they can do is shame us. So Kyle Kalinske put it a really great way. He was saying on a show, you know, it's like by denying us healthcare and denying us an education and denying us all these things, it's like Joe Biden is holding us down and punching us in the face. And then we start complaining, hey, stop punching me. And then the person next to us is like, how dare you say that he's punching you and then they hold you down while he continues to punch yeah. you. It's yeah. like we are murdering Americans either through lack of health care or through misinformation. I've said this a bunch of times. Fauci went on the air live and admitted that they lied to Americans and told them, oh, masks don't work when they knew they did because they didn't want to cause a panic and they didn't want, you know, uh, the healthcare professionals to be without masks because people just went and bought all of them. So what you're saying is you murdered, you murdered every American that because of your statement thought that masks didn't work and died because of COVID because they didn't protect themselves. You murdered them. And I'm just so tired of the soft language. Yeah. And we need to start calling things what they actually are because all these people do is kill us and then shame us yeah. into continuing to vote for our murderers. I don't understand. It's insane to me. Well, it's an abusive relationship. We're in this and, awfully abusive relationship yes. where the abuser tells you it's your fault. Yes. And we've been so abused that we go, oh, you're right. I'm sorry. You know, like that's honestly what we're doing. It's like, I, I feel like America is a nation of addicts and literally figuratively in some senses like we're but literally in and in, in just like we have an opioid epidemic we have an obesity epidemic yeah. we have a drug and out i mean all the drug all that's happening in a, like a like an addict who you're like dude you keep getting duis you keep losing your job you keep your relationships fall apart they're like fucking tell me man shut up you should look at your own you know and you're just like okay and it's like living in an alcoholic family where you go, uh, mom and dad are violent, crazy drunks. And then your siblings go, you're causing problems. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's who the like vote any blue will do crowd is, is like, stop causing problems by calling out the obvious, logical, yeah. documented crimes of the like. <laughs> yeah. How dare you? <laughs> I just like when they, and they're still bringing up Russia and I'm like, yeah. Did, did, and, and you know what's uh, funny is I when I first heard of reportings of that I thought it was true at first because there were quote unquote rep because see back then I didn't understand that the news sources that we consider to be reputable are actually owned by mm-hmm. the people that have their boots on our necks yeah so I thought oh this is being you know it was being ran everywhere CNN MSNBC NBC everything had it and and they were. 
talking about this like it was a fact. And so I was like, oh, this must be true. Imagine my surprise later when I find real, you know, progressive voices out there that are going, hey, no, this is, this is not what it looks like. And so it, for me, I just want to thank you and thank, you know, Jimmy and thank all the other progressive voices that spoke up about this because this is not right. We cannot just make shit up because we don't like the other guy. That's how you become corrupt. And we're supposed to be the opposite of that. Yeah. And it's like, this isn't like a conspiracy conjecture. This is fact. The Podesta emails are the Podesta emails. John Podesta never said the emails were faked. He said WikiLeaks is part of Russia, but he won't say these emails are faked because they are. If you, if you created, like if you put out a bunch of emails saying, oh, look, Graham said all this crazy shit. I could, if they, if they were lies, if you've doctored them, I could debunk it in about five minutes. Easy. Anyone could. You, you can't just, you could go, those aren't, here's the real emails. They doctored them. Yeah. Case closed. So it's in the, in the Podesta emails, they say, we're going to blame this on Russia. I mean, they, 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 and it's, I always ask when, when, when people say, well, but Russia, I go, Congress did an investigation. They found about $100,000 in Facebook ads. And you're trying to tell me that was too much? That beat the $1.5 billion Hillary had in her campaign funds between her and the DNC? Like, I mean, did, did Russia prevent her from campaigning in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania? She ran an awful, awful campaign. Thank you. Yeah. Like, Thank you. Did, did, like, did, was, is, mm-hmm. Was that, did Russia make Donna Brazil give Hillary questions ahead of the debate that forced CNN to fire her and now she works for Fox News? Did Putin do that? <laughs> no. Debbie Wasserman Schultz was fired from the DNC because of the Podesta emails. I'm not making this up. This isn't crazy Graham comedian conspiracy. This is a fact. And then who hired her after she was fired? The Hillary Clinton campaign. You don't find that suspect? And you, where is, there's no Russia anywhere in there. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, and, and they, they're, they're, they're doing it again. And they're just, they're delusional. They sound just as crazy as the Trump supporter that says Trump never lies. Yes. It's like blue, what do they call them? Blue MAGA? Yeah, blue MAGA. They're just That's a blue MAGA. That's all it is. They're so, just as crazy. Yeah, it is. And you know what? It's because these people want us to think that they're so different. And one of the things that, that I love hearing the most, which is very true, is Nancy Pelosi rips up Trump's, you know, uh, 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 speech while passing his legislation. While passing his legislation. Uh, uh, I, there's that. But even from that State of the Union, that's the, that's the thing that rips up and everyone on Twitter. Political theater is all it is. But when they go, Juan Guaido's in the audience, which is a CIA puppet to overthrow Maduro because uh, Venezuela has not given us their oil since Chavez in the 90s. Nancy Pelosi stood with Trump and clapped with him. Yeah. Like stood and clapped for this fucking <laughs> puppet CIA dictator that they just, who just stood up one day and said, I'm the new leader. And I was like, huh? Yeah. It's like, they miss all that shit. And they, they don't want, they, they, they want to see the meme of her ripping up the thing and going, yeah, Nancy, you fight for us. But they don't want to listen to the fact that this, the democratically controlled Congress has voted to, extend the Patriot Act. They voted for his border yeah. wall. They voted to increase his war budget twice. Like they, they, they don't want to hear it. They just don't, they don't want to hear it. And I'm like, so I, you don't get my vote. I love the blue MAGA thing. I'm going to start using that. That's yeah. yeah, you know, I'm actually, so I'm a Cuban immigrant 
And so for me, that foreign policy part is really hits home because it's the hypocrisy. Like, look, here's the thing. Taking uh, Batista out is not what made Fidel Castro a bad guy because Batista was a U.S. place dictator just like <laughs> Guido, right? So people get confused, and it's so hard for things to fit in their heads sometimes, and it, it worries me because, okay, that's not what made Fidel bad. That was a good thing. What made him bad was he took away people's rights, like freedom of speech and freedom of the press. So, you know, we can acknowledge that in his dictatorship, while at the same time I have to tell you, that I did first grade in Cuba and I was learning things in first grade math that I was not taught here until third or fourth. Right. So let's keep it real about what our educational system is really like. Let's keep it real about the fact that we are not number one on pretty much anything anymore. Let's keep it real about- Well, no, we're number one in handgun deaths. Yes. We're number one in people uh, yes. dying because they don't have health insurance. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, you know, mass shootings, uh, yeah. morbid obesity. We're, 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 we got those Incarceration. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, you know, number one. Homeless. You know, we have 330 million Americans. China has a billion people, but we have more prisoners than China. Yep. So these are all things that people are starting to wake up to the bullshit, and they're sick of it. They're sick and tired of it. So um, let me ask, this is running a little long, but you're just so much fun to talk to. Um, so let me tell you, where can people find you if they want to see more of you, if they want to learn more about your comedy or, or your podcast, give us all the info. Yeah, thank you. It's been great being on the show and thanks for having me. Uh, people can go to GrahamElwood.com. You can follow me on social media. It's at Graham Elwood on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and I have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Graham Elwood. The show is Political Vigilante. We go, we go live like four or five days a week, usually late afternoon, early evening. Uh, I'm also on rockfin.com slash Graham Elwood, which is a blockchain cryptocurrency platform. Uh, there's no ads over there. It's the future. Um, but anyway, if you just, just go to GrahamElwood.com, you can get my Patreon, my YouTube, my social media, all of that. Um, and just come on over and subscribe to the channel and start paying attention. And uh, we got a cool little community. I go live four or five days a week, and then I usually drop two or three clips a day uh, on both YouTube and Rockfin. Nice. And then the Political Vigilante podcast is on <laughs> iTunes. Uh, I forgot that one. Uh, so you can listen to the show. Uh, I, I take all my live streams and I make the, take the audio files and put them on iTunes. So that's a free download. And then I do this podcast with Lee Camp uh, from Redacted Tonight called Government Secrets. So both of those audio podcasts you can listen to as well. Let me ask you a question on that Government Secrets podcast. Okay, okay. Nobody judge me right now. <laughs> so I used to think this whole UFO thing, whatever, was just BS, right? But ever since a few months ago, when, when the government was like, yeah, those videos are real. And then I saw that uh, documentary about Bob Lazar. And then I'm like, huh. So can I ask you, are you going to be touching on, I know it's a weird subject for people, but my curiosity has been piqued. So are you guys going to be talking about stuff like that at all? Yeah, for sure. We just want to, we, we try to cover like a mix of current government secrets. And then I kind of like going into the vault and finding stuff like Operation Bloodstone and um, where the CIA uh, got Nazis in communist countries to try to uh, undermine communism. So that's always been fun. We've, we've been really... <laughs> good with the Nazis since World War II. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I definitely, it's, it's, 
It's uh, yeah. Very fine people, Graham. Very fine people. Hey, we just had a disagreement <laughs> for four or five years in Europe. No big deal. Um, so uh, yeah, but we want to cover any any. Um, you know, it, it shows you how insane 2020 is. Yeah. Is that literally they're like, there's UFOs and everyone's and like. And nobody noticed. Everyone's like, nobody yeah, yeah. It's, noticed. it's too crazy. <laughs> I looked around and I was like, am I like, maybe this isn't what I think it is because nobody's reacting, but it's just everything else that's going on this year is so crazy that I think people were just like, ah, fuck it. We suspected it anyway. You know, what are you going to do? But all right, I will, well, let me know when that uh, that episode comes out because I'll sure. definitely be looking forward to it and I'm definitely going to check out that podcast because it sounds interesting. I yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's Lee and I, it was Lee's idea. And so we, we talk about these things, but we also kind of, we both, since we're both political comedians, we, there's a lot of comedy in there with sort of the absurdity of how, of how awful our government is. Um, but then we like to cover, you know, we like to cover a lot of serious stuff in, a, in sort of a comedic ways because it's, we, 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 it's, it was his idea because it's, it's not just for the audience, it's for us as comedians. If I'm just, all I'm talking about is how awful everything is, I go insane. So we got to find some type of comedic <laughs> angle to it. Yeah. And so, and Lee, he and I just get along, we riff well together. So uh, it's a lot of fun doing that show. Yeah, you got to find the humor in it. I find that that's the only thing that keeps you sane pretty much is just finding a way to laugh and then go, okay, here's the terrible thing that happened today. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know that sounds horrible, but you got to laugh. You got to laugh to get through it. Well, Graham, thank you so, so much. You've been a pleasure. I would be happy to have you back anytime. And we'll go ahead and put uh, the links for all of his information in the description. We'll see you guys again next time. Thank you so much, Graham Elwood. All right, we'll see you next time, Graham. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, bye. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Thanks for stopping by and spending time with us today. We hope you enjoyed the video. Don't forget to hit the like and subscribe buttons and support us on Patreon so we can keep bringing you some amazing content. You can also follow us on social media. Links are all below. We'll see you guys next time. And remember, this is your revolution.